This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle, and you're listening to Top Rope Nation. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. I finished these fights. Give me a hell yeah. Top Rope Nation. Learn to love it. It's the best thing going today. Wrestling fans, coast to coast around the world, welcome to episode 98 of Top Rope Nation. I'm your host, Ryan Drosty of comicbook.com. I got Justin Joint on the line, Kyle Ross. We're here to break down WWE Money in the Bank coming at you this Sunday, as well as all the latest news in wrestling as usual, and also as usual, more news breaking as we go on the air this week. So first off, though, before we get into all of that, let me throw it out to Justin. Justin, how is your week going this week? I see you're repping the Finn Balor shirt tonight. What's going on? Uh, Not much. Uh, Just... uh... You know, pretty happy with the NBA lottery results. Uh, uh, I, I, I have mixed feelings about Game of Thrones, uh, entertaining for the most part, but uh, it just a little bit too much Fast and the Furious for me. You trying to uh, rub salt in my wounds about this NBA draft lottery right now? No, no, sorry, I, I, yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> Poor excuse for an NBA franchise, the Chicago Bulls. Kyle <laughs> Ross, your thoughts on the NBA draft lottery and your week, just in general, what's going down in Cleveland? what has been going on in cleveland i don't know really been a very slow week over here on this end although i was up against it getting my show notes together tonight i I hope i'm prepared i I hope i can give a a plus my usual a plus effort here on the broadcast because i was uh up until we were starting i was jotting things down or should i say typing them yeah well, I think it's going to be a good show, guys. All I these think the draft lottery was fixed. <laughs> That's bad. Just like these people who signed this Game of Thrones petition. They're oh, bad. That is, really, that is really bad, yeah. Just remember, when more people watch something, that means more dumb people are watching something. <laughs> hey, let me ask you guys, by the way, since Game of Thrones, the series finale is on at the same time as Money in the Bank, what no, are I'm your not plans? Watching, I'm not watching Money in the Bank live. <laughs> Justin, what are your plans on Sunday night? Uh, well, I've been watching Game of Thrones with the wife and the mother-in-law, and I think I got another buddy coming over to watch the finale. But although I did warn him that he's got to leave right away because I'm going to have to try and watch at least some of Money in the Bag. Yeah. I'll watch yeah. it that night like after. I might start it, stop, and then finish it. like the before. first two hours before Game of Thrones starts. Yeah, about that's half. A, yeah, that's kind of what I'm planning on doing. So. We shall see how they follow all that up. You can check out your Game of Thrones pod, Game of Thrones uh, podcast for more of that. We are talking pro wrestling tonight, guys, and uh, I got to say, on my week, 
it's going pretty well. Uh, yesterday, I had about a 20-minute conversation with Kurt Angle. You heard him at the top of the broadcast. Uh, you can check out my interview with him. Right now, it's up in two parts over at comicbook.com. And the WWE section had a good talk with the 1996 gold medalist about uh, his return to WWE and uh, some disappointment he felt getting inserted in that Shield match at TLC in 2017 on short notice. That was his big return, as you recall. And uh, we found out just days before the event it was going to happen. So he talked to mm-hmm. me about that. Uh, he had some thoughts on AEW's television deal and then this new film he's in called uh, Chasing Molly. So again, check it out at comicbook.com. And uh, before we get into the rest of the discussion tonight, as always, if you're listening on iTunes, hit the five-star review, subscribe, leave us a rating. If you leave us a review, we'll read it on air. And as luck would have it, we got another review coming in this week. So as promised, I'll read it on the air. This came in on Friday. This one, we always have the great usernames. This one is from Wookie Man 5050. Subject line top rope is top notch. The review says anybody who doesn't like TRN is out to lunch. Ryan is a hell of a host. Justin brings a sober realism to the podcast, and Kyle always brings the hottest of takes. These guys always have lively, well-informed discussions that span most of the wrestling landscape. Keep up the stellar podcasting. What a review, a stellar review. And I got to say, that was not by any of us. This was legitimately someone I have no idea who wrote this. So uh, shoot us a tweet at Top Rope Nation. Well, I can tell you one thing, Wookie Man 5050, I'm never sober. <laughs> yes. Very rarely. Go back and listen to what show was that, Justin? The the pay-per-view post show there. You just got kind of wasted. <laughs> yeah, I think it was like I think it was like the uh, preview for SummerSlam or something. Yeah, it was right definitely in the there. summer, but you you had a lot of scotch scotch drinks that night by the, the end problem was like, your speech a little bit yeah the problem was i went for a second one at some point during the show it was a long show though in my defense. it was i think was that when we had joe dorian on i think joe might have been on that show perhaps it was definitely good, in the summer he's a good oh. close personal friend of mine oh yeah i was i was making a sober uh, uh point that johnny gargano was the one that attacked alistair black i just the, the words weren't flowing very well. <laughs> so again, yeah, leave us yeah. a review on iTunes. Helps us out. We'll read it on the air. Also, we're on Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, Google Play, TopRopeNation.com, wherever podcasts are found. Yeah, I got to say, we'll keep up the stellar podcasting if you keep up the stellar commenting. I mean, that's just... That's I right. I just get it better myself. <laughs> you know, these reviews, I, it's always fun to see them. I'll just check our podcast page here and there. When a new one pops up, it's pretty exciting. Uh, we went like weeks without getting a single review. And ever since we started reading them on the air, we've had at least one coming in every week. So keep them coming at us. It's a lot of fun. Uh, we're also on YouTube, youtube.com slash top rope nation. Uh, you can subscribe there, get exclusive content on there, and uh, leave comments on the videos. So speaking of YouTube, we're actually live streaming right now, audio and video, as we do each and every week. This is only available to our Patreon supporters, patreon.com slash Nation For $1 a month, you get access to that exclusive live stream. Nobody else ever sees the video version of this podcast. Just our patrons. Uh, you can see it live, so that means you're getting the show before the general public, which uh, we think is a pretty good deal for a dollar a month. There's other tiers, five bucks a month. You get some uh, exclusive content, exclusive shows we've recorded in the past. And I got to say, on along those lines, we got a new $5 a month patron tonight. So shout out to our boy, Tim Jensen, longtime supporter of the show, just signed up 
for the uh, $5 tier. So Tim is getting the live stream every week. He's getting uh, Top Rope Nation Classics, Top Rope Nation Extra. He's getting a free Top Rope Nation sticker sent to him in the mail. So thanks for your support, Tim, and all of our supporters on Patreon. Uh, appreciate it each and every time. You can throw us whatever you can, a tip of a dollar a month, $5 a month, whatever works for you. Love, Tim. Tim Jensen is a, actually Tim Jensen is the guy who designed our podcast logo. So if you guys oh. like the podcast logo, I, more now. <laughs> yeah, he is uh, a hell of a graphic designer. You ever want him to do any work for you? Get a hold of us. Uh, Top rope nation at gmail.com. I don't know if he wants his email on the air or not. I didn't clear it with them. So <laughs> send me an email. We'll read his yeah. social security number. And yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a hold of Tim for you. He does great work. I pretty much went to him. Uh, obviously, everyone listening to this has seen our podcast logo, but I, I said, I kind of want something designed. kind of looks a little bit like our the old WWF All-American Wrestling logo, if you guys have ever drawn that connection. Top Rope Nation, I think like a playoff of that would work, and he came up with the logo, and I think it's awesome. So I wore that shirt today while I mowed the lawn. <laughs> the less said about that, the better. The t-shirt was the best part. You're getting another one in the mail here pretty soon because I'm about to place an order. We got a new design up on uh, Pro Wrestling Tees slash Top Rope Nation. It's a black and red version of the Top Rope Nation podcast t-shirt. So uh, I'll be sending one out to you. Have my current address, right? Uh, uh, I if hope we'll so. We'll talk about that off air. If not, yeah. I'll just if not, I'll just read it out loud on the air. That's okay. But uh, there, I, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I think Pro Wrestling Tees is. Uh, doing a sale, a spring sale. I think it's next week, uh, 20% off everything. So that's a good chance to get a Top Rope Nation t-shirt and uh, support the show. All right, so uh, guys, the news real quick, and then we're going to get into a, or, uh, yeah, the AWTNT deal. We talked about that a lot last week, mm-hmm. but we'll do a little bit this week, and then we'll get into the, the Money in the Bank preview. But uh, today, we had Ric Flair who uh, the original report was at TMZ saying that it was a very serious situation he was being hospitalized for. And then it came out later when uh, Conrad Thompson who's obviously married into the Flair family. uh, He said that, uh, no, this was a routine procedure that he went in for. He wanted to have it done before Starcast here uh, next weekend. And so uh, nothing to worry about, thankfully, for the Nature Boy, because uh, we're all huge fans growing up watching Ric Flair over the years. When I first saw that he was hospitalized, my heart dropped a little bit. So I'm very glad to hear that this was nothing serious. When did you guys hear about this news today? Justin, when did you see that? Uh, It was uh, late morning, I think. And uh, I guess probably like a lot of us. I was just dreading the rest of the day, expecting to hear that, you know, RIP Ric Flair. But um, I, you know, the big thing for me was I had no idea that Conrad Thompson was his uh, son-in-law. Yeah. News to me. Mm-hmm. My God. Yeah. Kyle, you were aware, weren't you? Of what? Conrad was married. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, don't, don't shame me. I'm still, I was. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Justin joint. What the hell were you thinking? No. Um, <laughs> No, it was, uh, I found out about it like mid-afternoon while I was mowing the lawn. And so a buddy texted me like this, like RIP Ric Flair. I go, what? I jumped out. And then, you know, luckily people jumped in. There was a whole text thread I had jumped into a little bit late uh, with some buddies. So, but you know, Rick, I mean, 70 years old. He's lived a hard and fast life. So uh, it's good to hear that <laughs> this drink was your beer. <laughs> I know, oops, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. Yes. By the way, this is an unbelievable beer. This it's called Smells Like a Safety Meeting IPA. Dark Horse Brewery. Oh my God, this is good. This is what you get on Patreon. You get the video cast. Seeing yeah. Kyle drinking right now. 
Um, but no, I mean, he's, he's lived a hard and fast life and you, you hope for the best, but yeah, I mean, I think there's always, when you hear Ric Flair hospital, I think there's a lot of people who are going to cringe at first. And by the way, whoever created the fake tweet, like it was like WWE universe, but they like switched a letter. So, but it looked exactly like the WWE Twitter account. That person should be tarred and feathered. I did not because, see that. Because yeah, they, 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 the only reason I felt for it is Jason Lockenfora. He retweeted it. Oh, no. And, and, yeah, and th- this was after, like, I had, like, heard that Conrad said, no, no, it's routine. I was like, oh, my God, what? And then uh, Mike Sempervivi of, uh, you know, Figure Four Wrestling Online, he, like, res- like the next tweet in my timeline was him saying, Ric Flair's passed away at 70. I said, what? I thought he was, this was going to be okay. And so... Uh. People that, people that create, like, fake tweets should be tart and feathered. Way too much time on their hands. Yeah. I mean, what but, is the benefit of that? I mean, do, you know, just, I don't know. It's frustrating. Just, like, they get a rise out of screwing with people's emotions, unfortunately. Probably never had sex, either. <laughs> <laughs> There's Kyle bringing the hottest of takes right yeah. there, Wookie yeah. Man. That's for yes. you. We need some sober realism right now. <laughs> Justin, please. <laughs> I mean, th- whoever did that definitely signed that petition petition about Game of Thrones season eight. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the fake account, yeah. Uh, and then they also uh, think the lottery's fixed. Oh Jesus! <laughs> so yeah, the Ric Flair thing. Luckily, Flair's okay. We got we got to talk about this, Justin, because we're I'm definitely watching Double or Nothing. You're gonna have to come over to my place to watch that. You free next Saturday? Uh, I think so. Yeah. You better be. Yeah. <laughs> We're watching this thing. Shit, I didn't realize it was already next Saturday. Yeah, yeah, next Saturday night. So uh, uh, that kind of goes along with this AEW discussion. We'll roll into that and then a couple other news items. But uh, we talked about it on the show last week. TNT deal is virtually finalized. It came out uh, as promised at the upfront on Wednesday morning. And uh, we don't know all the details about the deal as of now from the sounds of it there's no rights fees involved but they are getting a split of the advertising revenue and uh turner is covering their production costs that's that's the last i heard is that accurate kyle yes yeah so i mean it's all around for a company that hasn't even ran a show unless you call count all in i think that's a hell of a deal for them yeah, so. yeah and we don't know how much of that was an roh production and how much of that was you know the core, the AEW core, for lack of a better term. Yeah. So, I mean, technically they haven't ran a show yet. So, I mean, it's, that's, a, that's a damn good deal for a company that mm-hmm. hasn't ran a single show. Yeah. I mean, look, there's been a lot of debate online, basically on Twitter about, you know, how you want to frame this relative to expectations. I think some people were critical of others in the media propping this up as this massive game changing deal. The bottom line is this. It's the most significant television deal for a non-WWE pro wrestling company since WCW went out of business. And you kind of mentioned one of the key points. For a startup, I mean, this is incredibly impressive. People remember, or I should say they forget, WWE didn't get rights fees when we were growing up, 80s into the 90s. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the fact that maybe there's not rights fees involved, it's just coverage of production costs. um, I don't think that's a huge deal. I mean, I think this is a pretty nice deal for a company that, like you said, has not run a show. Yeah. Now I will say one thing that's kind of surprised me though, 
and I'm a little disappointed about. <laughs> I'm I'm sure I can find some people that are willing to split the cost, but forty nine ninety nine for a pay per view that in this day and age that's a pretty high ask. Yeah, I was well, a little surprised. Well, that brings me brings us to our next point. You know, the one big difference is you know I saw somebody breaking. You know, even though again, like you said, we don't have all the details, but kind of you know guessing at what the details are and, and piecing together what we do have and then comparing it to WWE. They use the term idiot proof with WWE, which essentially it is right. I mean, David Bixenspan wrote that article on Deadspin. What was it? We were talking about a couple days ago. Was mm-hmm. it Monday or was it Friday? It's been within the last seven days talking about, you know, WWE. It's so interesting that the, the promotion because of this big TV deal they're getting, some of the mainstream coverage they get, it feels bigger than ever, but it clearly is not. And that's you know because they've done what no other pro wrestling company in history has been able to do. They get these huge revenue streams that basically mean they're making a lot of money kind of in spite of themselves, despite how good the product is creatively. With this AEW, okay, they have to be good creatively. There's no disputing that. We always talk about, you know, with like New Japan first WWE, the matches have to be better in New Japan. That's the draw, part of the draw, I should say. They have to be better. In the case of AEW, yeah, we're, maybe we're going to get higher-end matches, but creatively, the company must, you know, do its job. Because mm-hmm. if not, you know, then this whole notion, Meltzer mentioned this, the Observer, oh, they figure to be profitable by 2020. I don't really know if that's a guarantee. I mean, you can look at, okay, there's a lot of interest. It's there. Um, but we shall see. Yeah. But did you did you think that price point, though, was a little high? Like, I, w- I would yeah, think they want to they, get their name out there and have people check it out, you know, to build some interest. You know what, though? Bucks, you know what? Floyd Mayweather fights. See the price tag on those? Yeah, but Floyd People, Mayweather is an, is an established okay, true. top boxing but, star. Okay, so there is a... And this doesn't just go for pay-per-view. I think this just goes for, I don't know, any anything in the market. There's this notion sometimes that like the more expensive something is, the better it is. I'm not defending the price point at all. I, I, I also was like, oh, that's pretty high. But do you think maybe like... There's like a certain prestige they're uh, looking wrestling. for. I don't think so in wrestling because okay. if you look around, like there's so much great wrestling content available for 10 bucks yes, a month. That is true. Month yeah. New Japan. Uh, you got the Ring of Honor streaming service. Although Ring of Honor's, you know, traditional pay-per-views are still like 30 some bucks, I think, which to me, I was always thinking that was really high. Now that we've got the WWE network for 10 bucks a month, the this is even higher. Yeah, the award winning. This is even higher. So, I mean, I was shocked because I thought they would price this, especially being like the fan friendly promotion, supposedly that they would price it pretty competitively so that like lots of people would buy it and then they could advertise how many pay-per-view buys they got. But I think like all the hardcores are still going to order it and you're going to have people who, uh, you know, who break, break it up with the, their friends to watch it. And like we used to do back in the day with WWE, mm-hmm. but, uh, man, it, it is pretty high. That surprised me. That's it. I'm very excited for AEW. I, you know, I'm excited for their shows, but if I didn't have Ryan in town to split the cost of this show with, I, w- I would not be dropping 50 bucks for it. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point. What Justin just brought up. Are they going to lose a substantial amount of people 
due to the price point. I don't think I don't know if they will. I don't think, what do you gain, think? I don't think they'll gain anyone that's curious. The people that were gonna tune in no matter what are, are still gonna get it. I yeah. Think. So it might lose. Well, you're right. I mean, this wasn't a show. Mostly. I mean, you yeah. know, I mean, like John Q Public living down the street is not going to, you know, be scrolling through his cable system. It's like, oh, what is this? AEW and order it. I don't think there's going to be many, if any, orders like that. Yeah. On the other hand, though, a lot of their success is banking on this idea that they can bring back some of the lapsed fans and they're not going to get people with a $50 price tag. So I guess that, that's, they're going to have to hook them for the television well, show yeah. in the fall, yeah. but. Um, at this point, I guess to try to try to build some interest, you know, I I would have thought that they they price a little lower. I mean, I'm going to watch it anyways, but I just wanted to bring that up because I thought that's wow, a good that's point. A, you know, you're an excellent host. <laughs> yeah, I like to think so. I appreciate people saying a that. hell of a host. Put wow. hours into this thing, man. I mean, you guys, after we get done, you're you're watching your classic wrestling, and I'm mixing this thing, making myself sound acceptable. So I'm glad it comes through. Across the I often think about you late at night while I'm watching that classic wrestling. <laughs> What's Ryan doing? Oh, right? you're mixing right now. I say, oh, that poor bastard. <laughs> what, what, what? Uh, random audio clips is he downloading from YouTube to insert yeah. in the background for funny moments right now? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, all right, we got the AEW thing. We talked about Ric Flair's we, health, and un we, unfortunately, uh, we do have a, some sad news to report. And I, I was going to go right to this after the flare thing because we were talking about hospitalizations and everything. But AEW just kind of came up, so I rolled with that. But unfortunately, longtime wrestling fans, at least going back to the mid-2000s, will remember um, Ashley Massaro, who won the 2005, I believe it was, WWE mm -hmm. Diva Search. She was involved in a, a lot of uh, very important women's angles around that period. She was in women's championship match or Divas championship matches. can't remember what it was called at the time. Was it the women's championship? Uh, 2007's had... WrestleMania, I believe. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, she was in some top-tier feuds. Uh, I think she dated Matt Hardy for a while. Mm -hmm. She was a Playboy cover girl. Big star in the mid 2000s for WWE, and uh, I thought at the time she was a great signing for him and, and was really good for the wrestling industry. Yeah, unfortunately, 39 years old, passed away today. So, condolences go out to her family. We don't really know the circumstances of her death yet, other than uh, no, no, uh, no criminal, I think they said in the report, nothing criminal had happened. Um, but uh, we shall see. So, I mean, you guys have any thoughts memories of watching her around that era uh kyle so i i felt bad i sort of like the only the thing i remember her most was managing london and kendrick yeah. obviously um she i think when they brought her up um oh god what was the name of that group that he had Vince's devils. Remember that? What a hoot that was, mm. <laughs> you know, like he, she feuded with them. I think when she came in, um, you know, something I had forgotten completely. And this is, I think going to get a lot of play because it already has on social media as it often does. She had, I forgot she joined the concussion lawsuit and around that same time, she'd alleged she had been a victim of a sexual assault on an overseas tour in Kuwait. Mm -hmm. So that I had forgotten all about that. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. It's a 
It's a really sad story because anyone that's mm-hmm. kind of followed the industry yeah. closely, she's had some demons in recent years yeah. and she was and she, just getting back into training to actually. Yeah, I saw that. Again. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, she was going to appear at Starcast next weekend. People already bought tickets to to for her meet and greet and everything. So she was going to be there next weekend. Mm. And uh, I mean, she's right around the same age as all of us. So yes, that's I mean, that's horrible. Yeah, yeah. really, really sad. Unfortunately, another sad death in the world of wrestling. But uh, we definitely had to acknowledge that because it, it just happened. I mean, I just saw this two hours ago. I think is when I saw the news. Maybe not even two hours ago. Yeah, I don't think it. I think it was less. Yeah, it was. Um, it was when I was yeah doing my notes. I saw it. Maybe you caught it before, but yeah. So uh, yeah, condolences out to the family and and the fans and friends of Ashley Massaro. So it's really too bad. Um, all right, so. On a brighter note, guys, the uh, long-lost match between Bret Hart and Tom McGee. This was what I was most looking forward to on Monday night. Uh, had Raw yes. in the background, but this is this was the main event of the night. And uh, I have to say, it delivered for me. I thought, gee, I think this tape was found like six weeks ago or something. They put this documentary together already. They got Tom McGee himself on the documentary. They had some stock tape, I think, of Brett from in the past talking about it. They had new interviews with Sean Waltman, uh, Davey Boy Jr. on there. It was it was a well-put-together deal. Tyson Kidd was on there. That's right. Uh, and then, of course, the match, which was joined in progress, but I got to say it was probably very early in the match when they when they rolled to it. And uh, I mean, I wasn't looking for like a five-star match or anything, but if you've ever seen Tom McGee work, you could see what the hype was about with this yeah. match because Brett made him look pretty darn solid in the ring. The timing was was there. Brett got all of his best spots that he could do into the match. Uh, how, how excited were you guys to see this match and what were your initial impressions let's go to justin what, what did you think because i know you're a like myself grew up a huge bret hart fan what did you think of this i i loved it i had never really heard about it until they started uh uh advertising for this doc and uh i guess there's three things i love number one was how they kind of turned it around and talked about how like they put him in with brett to make him a star when somebody pointed out like five years later, they didn't realize that Bret Hart was a star they were, they were trying to make and <laughs> just how great Bret is in the ring. Um, then number two is Harry Smith, his outfit, his, and his <laughs> Bret Hart impersonation are both just fabulous. Yes. That was, an, that was an incredible impression. <laughs> you know, I want, I went to uh, this ring of honor, new Japan show in Chicago, Gosh, I think it was like about a year and a half ago. I went, actually went with Tim Jensen, who I mentioned earlier. We went to Chicago for that show, saw Omega and the Bucks and and Cody there. And we walked around like the back of the building to get out of this place because it was just jam-packed with people. And we walked right past Davey Boy Jr. And he was wearing like this long, like shiny gold outfit that almost looked like pajamas. <laughs> it was like, it's very similar to like what he was wearing on the Tom McGee documentary. It was, yeah, he dresses like that all the time. He's, he's a pretty flashy dude. He's a cool guy though. Uh, uh, go and, ahead, Kyle or Justin. I, I just want, and my one other thing is uh, Bobby Heenan's commentary when they're talking about uh, Paul Orendorf's intelligence and he says he's got a lot upstairs and he's got a lot downstairs. Yeah. <laughs> Bobby Heenan, the king. There were a lot of people like immediately, I think the first batch of Twitter comments uh, when they started airing the match were about, you know, God, 
I love Gorilla and Bobby because like he had like immediately started going into me and Bobby McGee references, mm-hmm. which you know when I think when he started doing that at Nitro era that felt dated, but it was good then. Yeah, it was always oh, surprising that it had the commentary on it because this was always known as a dark match. But I read that this was originally going to air in Europe, and Brett wasn't aware of that. He was told this match would never air, but they did have the commentary and all the camera cuts and, and the flying camera over the crowd, and it was well produced. Yeah. Like it was intended to air for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, oh, go ahead. So I was just gonna say the one thing that annoyed me, and it's the same thing the Viceland Viceland docs do is they have their own like produced shots and they did that on here a couple times one where they just showed a kid and then you just kind of see who you assume to be brett putting sunglasses on it's like you couldn't find footage of brett putting glasses on a kid i think it was i think it actually was brett i think that was probably from a commercial or something and they like it was a stage shot of brett putting the sunglasses on. yeah i think it was that you know right around the time they put the belt back on at mania 10 didn't they have like that commercial's like hey brett that kid in the it was a uh, well, this is gonna get really nerdy for you i can tell you for sure it was from late 96 or 97 oh. because the sunglasses that he put on the kid oh, are like the black it, they're the black <laughs> and pink ones so like the pink in the front with the black on the sides if you remember before that they were just all pink and then before that they were silver but the ones that he had that were black and pink were only when he came back in late 96 and 97. And I yeah. noticed when they showed that, the, that was the glasses he was putting on. How, how were you able to have two kids and still be a virgin? I don't understand. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this I is, love you. This come on, man. This is this is this is good Bret Hart knowledge. And I was I was 13 years old at the time and I begged my parents for those $10 Bret Hart glasses and they never bought them for me. I got them years later. So I, I knew from like researching on eBay and stuff that uh, there was three versions of the Bret Hart glasses. And I noticed, yeah, when they when they when he was putting on the kids, it was the black and pink ones. Makes you feel better. My parents never bought me the warrant cherry pie tape either. That like pissed me off. <laughs> <laughs> My parents did. I got it. God bless Mr. and Mrs. Joy. Oh, <laughs> uh, so anyways, yes, yeah, so it was it was like some kind of stock footage that was like pre-rehearsed. They probably filmed it for a commercial or something or a music video. I don't know. But uh yeah, Viceland does like the recreation so- shots with the fake actors and stuff. And yeah. But, you know, um like you, Ryan, I did not attempt to watch Raw. On Monday night, I just I had it DVR'd, and I was just like, you know what, I'm gonna go through it tomorrow morning. And uh, but right at eleven, I I put on the award winning WWE Network to watch this, and it totally lived up to the hype. That you know these for as much hand wringing that goes on about WWE these days, some of their best stuff are these are these documentaries. They, I, their documentaries are getting better too. I mean, I think they've always been a strong suit, even dating back to the DVD releases, but they're getting better. You know, mm-hmm. working with HBO, Vice Land. You know, I think they're, you know, the way they built to, you know, McGee making it uh, an appearance on this, um, I think was great. I think the focus, remember we talked about that with some of these Viceland docs, they lacked focus. This had a clear focus. I thought it got over the concept of, you know, why it was important, why people sought after it. And the significance of the match, you know, I think there are two pretty clear takeaways. I think you guys hit on these, but, um, you know, just to reiterate one, the confirmation seemingly 
of Vince being in love with Tom McGee. You always heard about that. Like, oh, Vince thought this guy was his next star. And, you know, sometimes this stuff gets a little lost in translation or blown out of proportion. Like, did he really think, like, he was, quote, unquote, the next Hulk Hogan? But, you know, in the commentary on the doc, they made it seem Vince was completely in love with him. And watching the match, you can see why. I mean, obviously, he was as green as grass. But the flips he was doing, the look, you know, I mean, you, you could see why Vince fell in love with him. And then two, Justin alluded to this. How good was Bret Hart? <laughs> you know, even in 1986, and I think my favorite part of the whole doc, and I'm not sure how we're supposed to take this quote, but I loved it no matter how we're supposed to take it, was when they threw that Sean Waltman, who's sitting there with his dog sleeping, and they ask him, how good was Bret Hart? And his response was, oh, he's as good as he thinks he is. <laughs> I thought that was a true, like, you know, I don't know if that was like, I mean, it was obviously an acknowledgement that he's very good. And I don't know if it was also an acknowledgement that, you know, Bret Hart is not afraid to tell you how good he is as well. But I love that quote. He's you know, as th- good th- as he thinks he is. I thought that was great. Yeah. Go- yeah. It's, uh, you know, thinking about that match and you saying how good is Bret Hart. And like I said, a, a few minutes ago, and as was made obvious, I was a huge Bret Hart fan growing up. Uh, but Shawn Michaels was my second favorite wrestler. Okay. I, I, all right. And Rick Flair, because I have a, no, cause I have a, I actually have in my notes, a comment about okay. Bret vis-a-vis Shawn. I want to yeah. hear what you have to say. Okay. It might be similar. So to me, I, Two of my favorites of all time. But if anyone asked me who is better, Brett or Sean, I'll go with Brett every single time. And the reason for that is I feel like people like Brett. Bring it and, home, Ryan Drosty. Come on. <laughs> people like It's right there, you son yeah, of a bitch. <laughs> people like Brett and people like Ric Flair are these guys who not only can make themselves look good, but they make other people look good too. And this this was one of the prime examples, obviously the legendary example of, of Bret Hart making someone else look magnificent. Whereas Shawn Michaels, who always looked amazing himself, he, he didn't ever really do that for someone else in the way that Bret Hart would. Like a, a Shawn Michaels match was always about Shawn Michaels. And that's a not Sean a bad show. thing, you know, yeah. it's, but yeah, it's a Sean show. It's not a bad thing if you're looking to watch Sean Michaels, but if you're looking to see someone else get over, or you're looking to make somebody else, you put them in there with the Bret Hart or you put them in there with the Ric Flair. And that's what puts to me, those guys just a little bit above a Sean Michaels. So I, I would always rank Bret Hart a little bit higher because he had that. I mean, look now, Steve Austin obviously was a great wrestler. Bret Hart made Steve Austin that feud in 96 and 97. That's what put Steve Austin over the top. And I feel like Bret Hart had the effect of making stars, whereas Shawn Michaels didn't really do that both in character format and um, also between the ropes. So that to me, that that's the difference between the two. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, that's pretty similar to what I got. So with Bret, and Sean, I think it was when we were doing the Viceland talk about the thing. And I made the comment, and I'm going to stand by this remark, that Brett and Sean, when you compare them in the larger context, I think it's really a six to one, half a dozen to the other debate. You know, the whole idea, like they were so, they're different got people, different kind of workers. But in terms of value to the company, I've always thought it was six to one, half a dozen to the other. 
Now, that being said, an edge that I give Brett, and this is kind of what you were saying, is when you go back and watch his matches, and, and some of Brett's bigger matches, I actually don't know if I... This is an interesting comment because some of them I actually don't like as much as I maybe used to, like the Davy Boy match at Wembley. Or, and you know, I know a lot of people have their issues with the Owen Cage match, but I think that was more WWE style cage matches. I think they worked it, to be honest, as best, best as anyone could. But Brett matches, and they actually showed this in the doc. You can go back and watch them, and there's these subtleties to them. And they age better, I'll argue, than Shawn Michaels matches. Um, the Brett match they showed was on, ironically enough, against Waltman. Uh, that Raw match they had a 94. And the whole setup was, you know, Kid was kind of like down here. Brett was up here in the pecking order. Brett was the world champion at the time. And the match starts with uh, Waltman, one, two, three, Kid, arm dragging Brett. And Brett gives this look at the camera like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what you're talking about. That yeah. is good fucking professional wrestling, ladies and gentlemen. You yeah. know, Sean is great at getting over Sean. You know, Brett brought up this point, too, and I love when he does this in shoot interviews. Oh, it just makes me very excited. When he, he talks about, um, and, and if you want, like, a perfect example of Brett versus Sean in this, go back and watch two early matches in 95. These are not, by the way, the Kyle Ross, I love the sport match of the week. <laughs> That's coming later, but, yes. But we're, we're going we're gonna to give you some bonus content here. Watch Brett work Diesel at Royal Rumble 95, and then watch Sean work Diesel at WrestleMania 11. Sean completely at Nash's expense babyfaces himself in that match and is eventually turned baby in his turn babyface like the next night on Raw. Brett did everything he could to make sure Nash was the babyface in that Royal Rumble match. Like Brett was healing it up. And Brett, like he brings an individual subtlety to every match. Whereas Sean, Sean, it was very much like get my shit in. Mm-hmm. I kind of think Seth Rollins has a little bit about that, him too, personally. Maybe I'm out of line in talking. Maybe it's the smells like a safety meeting IPA. I don't know. I felt like <laughs> making that remark. But, you know, like I feel like, you know, the, the biggest examples of the quote-unquote Sean show, I think, are WrestleMania 10 versus Razor, Hell in a Cell versus Undertaker, right? Where yeah. it was very much like Shawn Michaels went out that night. And the, look, those are two of the greatest matches in company history. There's no dispute. Yeah, we're not saying Shawn Michaels isn't great. but No, yeah. no, he is. Yeah. But, but, that those matches were both Shawn Michaels going out and making sure everyone knows I'm the top worker in the world right now. And look, I mean, he, he was. But like, you know, does it irk you that like everyone who comes to the end, I mean, you know why, I guess because he's down there. But like everyone's right now in WWE, their dream match. Oh, I would love to work with Shawn Michaels in his prime. Mm-hmm. Kind of pisses me off. No one says Brett. I've never thought about that, but that is true. Yeah. I, I love those throwback match references there. And we haven't even gotten to your segment. This is why people need to listen to this podcast. You'll learn something new each and every week. I'm telling you, watch. I, I was like, the last time I watched that Royal Rumble match, I said, fuck man, Brett is doing what he's supposed to be doing in this. Yeah. And fucking Sean went out at WrestleMania like a pinball and made him like, you know, made, made himself look like the greatest worker of all time to the fact that people were booing Nash by the end of the match. Mm-hmm. Not that Kevin Nash was a good world champion, but yeah. Um, and, and that's his friend, by the way. <laughs> he did that <laughs> yes. too. Yes. His alleged best friend, Kevin Nash, he did that yeah. too. 
Justin Joint, any thoughts on what we've been discussing here as a former Bret Hart fan yourself, maybe current Bret Hart fan? Uh, yeah, no, I mean, you guys just made the points. Is And uh, honestly, something I'd never really thought about, especially when it came to Sean, is because um, you think like, like, I think people would say, well, he made Mankind with that in your house match, but he Mankind was already a great worker. So he never really made anybody, whereas Bret did. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if he did. That's not making. I will say the subtlety stuff. That is one where Sean actually did do it. Remember, but it was Foley's idea. Remember, Foley told the story in his book that um, there's a spot in the Sean Vader SummerSlam match, which was the month before, where Vader is, again, and this speaks to Sean, you know, maybe some of his negatives as a worker. Vader was out of place for Sean coming out of the ropes. You guys remember this? And Sean. Mm-hmm. throws a freaking hissy fit oh, yeah. in the middle of the match. It is so obvious mm-hmm. and is like berating Vader in the middle of the match. It's like pretty yeah. unprofessional. Yeah, he but he punches like, him in the head. like Yeah, and, and, yeah. He, and he's yelling at him while he's doing it. Like he's <laughs> yes. fucked up basically. Yeah. Um, the next month, Foley like took that and like incorporated it into the mind games match where he wanted Sean to look real angry and annoyed with him and start hitting him really hard so people would quote unquote think they were like shooting in the middle of the match. That is one where I thought there were some great subtleties uh, in the match with Sean. Mm-hmm. And not that Shawn Michaels doesn't have any great subtleties, but here's the thing. Name an underrated Shawn Michaels match. Name a Shawn Michaels. Like we all talk, like when you name the great Shawn Michaels matches, I think there's going to be a real homogeny in answers across the internet, across this podcast. And maybe with Brett too. But I think with Brett, there's these kind of like under the radar ones you can lift up. And Sean, what, what's an under the radar Sean Michaels match? Hmm. I can't think of any off the top of my head that I, I would mean, I know I put you on the spot, yeah. but I mean, yeah. you know, I mean, maybe like Razor Ramon from like that 94 Raw, but it's kind of a very typical Sean Michaels match. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. I, I can't just off the top of my head right now i, I can't i'd have to yeah. probably sit down yeah. and think about Where, it a little yeah. bit but Whereas yeah. with brett to that point that one two three kid match that mm-hmm. match it was well received at the time certainly but it kind of had been lost to time mm-hmm. and it seems i guess as much as a 1994 raw match can be these days has been sort of like rediscovered and elevated again yeah most most definitely so, yeah, you guys need to check that out on the WWE Network if you haven't seen it. It's, it's really good. It's not all that long, but uh, to get the little brief documentary mixed in with the match itself. And Tom McGee, he seemed like a hell of a nice guy in that interview, too. Yeah, and, and Meltzer, look, I'm not the president of the Sam Roberts fan club, but Meltzer, should. That, I, I thought that was a little classic. The tape trading stuff. Yeah, I thought that was, come on. Uh, before we move on from the WWE Network, I just want to throw out there uh, – for anybody who hasn't seen it, they added the HBO Andre the Giant doc mm, to the nice. network. So make sure you go out and watch that. Yeah. It's it's freaking amazing. Really, really good stuff. Yeah, highly recommend that. Um, let's let's go through this Money in the Bank. Uh, actually, you know, this is probably since we just talked about it, this you know Holy Grail match. I'll talk about a match that's not really a Holy Grail, but I'll throw out my match of the week. Oh, you want to do that I'll right look, now? Yeah, let's do that right now. All right, it is okay. time for the Kyle Ross. I love this sport. Match of the week. Take it away, Kyle. Not to bring more sad news, but we should probably acknowledge the passing of Silver King. Oh, that's another one. Yeah. Yes. And I wanted to, um, you know, 
you know, acknowledged him with the match of the week. And I started thinking, I've, I've got like, because of course I do, I have like this old list of like Lucha matches that are, are like worth <laughs> rechecking out on Nitro from like 1997. Um, and I was like, I was really hoping Silver King was in the Memorial Day trios match, which is like the best Lucha match Nitro ever did, but he wasn't. So that kind of stuck. So I dug deeper and I was like, you know, give me a, a Silver King match that we could share this week. And honestly, don't need much of your time. Probably talking about it. it's going to take longer than the match itself. But go ahead. And I know to most, you know, when you think of Silver King and WCW, you think of a guy that wasn't really even used. What he was, he lost a lot. But go ahead and check out September 22nd, WC, uh, WCW Monday Nitro. It is the opener of the show, so it's not hard to find. What year? 97. Okay. Yeah, September 22nd, 97. So we're uh, in between Fall Brawl and Halloween Havoc, I believe, at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, Rey Mysterio Jr., who we'll be talking about in a little bit, speaking of Money in the Bank, against Super, uh, against Silver King. Uh, pretty short match. Uh, it's probably not, more than, not a lot longer than five minutes, but, man, they packed a lot into it. And I believe, and if I'm wrong, go ahead and make fun of me. I'm sorry. I I, I think this is right. I think it's the first instance of a reverse Hurricane Rana on U.S. television. Ray does it to Silver King. Now, but Silver King gets to show some stuff here. And I think what's a mark to both guys' favor is this was like a typical WCW thing where Raven comes, is just wandering through the crowd. So people are focused on that. They bring Eddie out, who draws massive heat. A lot of Eddie sucks chance. Because uh, he was, of course, building the famous Ray match. But this was a fun match. It's a fun five-minute TV match um, where Silver King gets to show some stuff. And I think we should acknowledge him with the match of the week this week. Him and Ray Jr. is the opener on September 22nd, 1997, WCW Monday Nitro. Very nice. Love it. So I'll, ch- I'll check that out. I watched the uh, Unforgiven match that you uh, recommended last week, and it kind of came back to me uh, as I was watching it. That's a bloodbath. And yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I kind of remembered watching at the time, but really, yeah, really good match, much better than the SummerSlam Matt Hardy edge match. And uh, <laughs> what did you think enjoyable. about like, did Like, isn't that, I mean, I'm sure there's probably better examples, but like the whole concept of watching it in a vacuum mm-hmm. like, makes it that. better, I think. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, I mean, some, you know, that's, I don't know if that's how wrestling's intended to be viewed, but man, that's an instance where if you just throw it on and you know you watch the video package, watch the match, it, you would have thought that it was you know a big hit feud. Yeah, when really they kind of bungled it. <laughs> um, all right. So uh, speaking of Rey Mysterio, like you said, uh, WWE Money in the Bank going head to head with the finale of Game of Thrones Sunday night. I got to th- just uh, go ahead and throw out the reference. To our friends at WrestleRumble.com, because Ooh. our man Kyle Ross, by the way, placed in the top five for WrestleMania top once five. in cash. Ooh, that's pretty conservative, baby. Yeah, what what were you? What number were you? Top three. Oh, you were were you number three? Yeah. It was like two or three. I can't remember if I was two or three now. It was yeah, definitely top three. Yeah. So top, yeah, Kyle took home some cash. Uh this month. They've got a hell of a contest. So if you go to WrestleRumble.com, you can get an entry for 10 bucks. Uh, here is uh, the prizes. First place, it's $500 plus the WWE UK championship belt and a custom-painted leather jacket from at Kimber Last Kick, who does custom jackets on Twitter. All of that for first place. Second I place, her. 
Uh, second place, $100. Third place, $100. Fourth place, $50. Fifth place, $50. So if you want to take home cash like we have in the past, hit up WrestleRubble. And also, they always hook us up with a free entry for a Top Rope Nation listener. So follow us on Twitter at Top Rope Nation. I'll do a contest later this week before the show. We'll be giving away a free entry and you can see if you can beat our scores and you can see if you can win some money or any of those awesome prizes from our friends at WrestleRumble.com. Always a lot of fun. Basically predict the matches, how long they're going to do, weapon usage, all kinds of stuff, um, length of the match. And it's tough, but when you're watching the show, it adds some more intrigue. I, I think it's a lot of fun. Why so. would you not bet money when watching something? I, know, I mean, 10, 10 bucks for an entry with that kind of profit on the line and We've all placed pretty high in this in the past. So, uh, yeah, multiple times we've taken home cash. So it is, it's definitely, definitely worth it. So check it out. I've killed people for less. (laughs) (laughs) And who wouldn't? All right. So, uh, let me pull up the card here, which I think we have it on our agenda. 11 matches feels a little bloated, doesn't it? Sports. It does. It does. I wonder Um, how triple H feels about it being 11 matches. Is he upset? Is, if, That's right. I, Triple H is look, supposedly upset backstage. The most if, upset person backstage. If I go on Twitter right now and say, total BS that hashtag WWE Money the Bank is 11 matches, will Triple H like that tweet? <laughs> and then I'll like yeah, it. And then i it. Yes. He might. He very well could. What a job he's done of white knighting himself, hasn't he? My hat's <laughs> off to you, Paul. All right. So, um, you know, Meltzer, by the way, had a very good aside in the observer about that whole Vince V triple H situation. I wanted to bring up really quick before we get to the card. Um, He brought up, you know, it's not that Vince is not approachable these days. It's that Meltzer almost made an argument of too many cooks in the kitchen. And that's not something you're ever going to get on record from a writer because they're friends. And, you know, it's not egalitarian with the writers. I mean, there, there is a certain pecking order, but, it feels like there's just too many people. There's too many ideas in the room. And you can see that sometimes in the WWE booking, especially leading up to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You could see where somebody had an idea and then a different person brought up maybe, hey, we've got this loose end that that idea caused. We've got to tie it up. And it was just, you know, I think the the whole thing where Kevin Owens was added um, to replace Kofi at that Fastlane pay-per-view but then someone's like, oh, fuck, we can't beat Kevin Owens. So, like, Ali was added at the last minute to that match. That is, like, the perfect example to me of you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. They they probably need less writers. Oh, yeah. That is for sure. So, we got two pre-show matches. We've got uh, Daniel Bryan on the pre-show. Him and uh, Eric Rowan defending the SmackDown tag titles against the Usos. Uh, I think I would have to go with Brian and Rowan here. They just won the titles. I think a little little early to switch the belts here. You guys around the table starting out with yeah. Justin. Especially to a raw tag team, but I guess yeah. it, that doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't really matter these days, card. apparently. Yeah. That is, that's some great sober realism from Justin Joyne as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> uh, I, yeah, what does this match say about the brand split? Because, you know, okay, I get we were getting over the wild card rule that first week and the Usos show up when Shane was going to hand Brian and Rowan the titles. And I actually kind of liked the idea of a heel team being handed the titles. It's not the world title. So I think with the tag titles, it would have been fine. You know, it would have added to the heel heat, but then you beat the Usos in that spot. Okay. Whatever. They're a raw team. 
But then they were on SmackDown again this week. Jimmy eats a pin from Shane McMahon, which I didn't particularly like. Um, I don't think the Usos losing here is all that appealing. Yeah, why you have your top Raw tag team lose yeah, again to a SmackDown team? I mean... I mean, I, I guess then they're just, you know, maybe it's a secondary tag view that they're doing with the Revival and the, you know, the Viking, whatever you want to call them, is, is you know, the premier team on that brand. I guess they're going with. But, you know, is this the best spot slash use for Daniel Bryan? One half of a tag team championship? I think I feel that question I have, is rhetorical. I have the answer. No. <laughs> Surprisingly, <laughs> shockingly, no, it is not. Okay. Okay. We'll get to the Owens thing, obviously, a little bit, him and Kofi. Given that Brian's on this show, why did they rush the Owens turn? Especially since Owens himself thinks that's a bad idea. Like, the two weeks, you know, so I think there, if I got this correct, I think there was a two-week gap between Owens turning and Daniel Bryan returning to WWE television. Did those extra two weeks really, like, mean a hill of beans? Like, was it so necessary that they had to have a SmackDown title match set in stone at that point? Um, I got the shocking answer this time. No. Okay. I mean, yeah, that, that's all I got to say. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm with you guys. I don't think you changed the championship right away, especially because the Usos are a Raw team. Yeah, and I, and I mentioned that too. This freaking Brad Servant. <laughs> Make it end, just end it. You know, like the the, the announcement. It's day. You know, because we're going to hear about it in this match. If the Usos win, are they permanent property of SmackDown? Do they take the SmackDown titles back to Raw? And people's heads are just going to hurt. <laughs> people, people can't even take a Daenerys Targaryen heel turn for Christ's oh. sake. Oh, spoiler alert! Jeez. <laughs> All right, uh, the Cruiserweight title match, Tony Nice defending cool. against D- Arya Davari. Nice just won the title at WrestleMania, well, last month. It seems like it's been an awful long time since the pay-per-view. Um, over Buddy Murphy. Uh, I don't really follow 205 Live very uh, closely. Truth Some be told, <laughs> I just don't have the time, man. <laughs> I, just, I just can't. I mean, I, I read the results, but I don't, I don't watch the shows very much. But uh, I thought you were a hell of a host, too. I know. Take me down. Throw it to that sober realism. <laughs> Tony Nice retaining. Thoughts, comments, smart remarks. Kyle. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead, Justin. I was right. just going to same, although, you know, there's a lot of baby face champions right now, and I think you got to switch that up a little bit, especially with, and maybe this is just an overall thought for the show. I think you got to switch it up a little bit. I think they're going to be doing that. Um, as to which ones it is, that I don't know. Uh, having said that, Tony Nese. <laughs> Um, Look, I think 205 Live, an argument could be made. If it wasn't the best, it was the most consistent WWE show last year. I'll stand by that remark. That said, this is a sad state of affairs when this is your title match. I, no offense to these guys. God bless them. They're going to work hard in front of half the audience. but. Look, you brought up the three top guys from the brand. Alexander, who quickly did a job to Cesaro. Buddy Murphy has sadly been persona non grata on SmackDown. And Ali, who, okay, he's gotten some shine, but he's got a ceiling to him. Let's not kid ourselves. 
I, I got to say it. I don't think this show should exist. God bless them. I don't want to see anyone lose their jobs. I mean, maybe they could just be do TV jobs on Raw and SmackDown. I, I just don't think there's a purpose for the show. I mean, if you're going to basically make it where the top guys from this brand are jobber the stars on the quote-unquote real shows, what's the purpose? And we've talked about this too. The only time cruiserweight, junior heavyweight, light heavyweight, call it what you will, wrestling has really gotten over in this country was time period we just referenced in my match of the week, 96-97 WCW. Why was that? They wrestled completely different than the main event stars of that promotion. Now you're getting guys who, okay, maybe they do a few moves that you don't see from the main roster, but it's not so far above and beyond the wrestling you get at the top of the card that it's worth checking out. And that's a problem. God bless these folks. I just don't think 205 Live has much of a future in the World Wrestling Federation. So who is your pick? Tony Nese. Okay. Good wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I feel uh, he would have been a great jobber in the 80s, by the way. And that people are going to take that the wrong way and say, you fucking asshole. But like the, the whole pose, like I just feel like, you know, like when they announced the jobber and he would like pose and he'd be like, oh, this guy's going to get his ass kicked. I feel Tony <laughs> Nese would be great in that role. I can see it. I can see it. Love Tony Nese. Uh, the Roman premier Reigns. athlete. Roman Reigns and Elias. So my thoughts on this one are it makes no sense for Elias to win unless this is a long term feud. And I hope. God bless Elias, but I hope this is not a long-term feud. I mean, I, I enjoy Elias. I do. I like his segments. I think he's hilarious. I don't want to see Roman Reigns in a two-month feud with him or anything like that. So I'm going to take Reigns here. I mean, I guess I could see like some kind of screw job finish because the numbers with Shane and everything have been working against Reigns. But uh, I, I'll take Roman Reigns. Justin. Uh, yeah, I mean, same. I mean, WWE sure is trying to do a, uh, a number on the revisionist history of Roman Reigns with that uh, video package. I like that video package, though. Yeah, no, it's it's good. But is that not a revisionist history showing the crowd cheering after he beat uh, Triple H and excited <laughs> after he won the Royal Rumble? Yeah. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, well, it's funny because I actually got a little revi- Um, That wasn't the only revisionism on WWE video package this week i've got another one to bring up but yeah that's true i, I was i mean the fact that they found anyone awake after that roman reigns triple h match at wrestlemania 32 is a miracle or perhaps they uh contracted the, out that video to like infowars.com or oh, something by the way that's white knight triple h that <laughs> roman reigns went over by the way the man who will when he turns takes over wwe the the heavens will open the sun will shine forever the sky will be blue forever just so uh, we're all clear on that yes we should have a discussion about that. I've got takes. I've got some takes. Uh, this is not a good use of Roman Reigns, who, by the way, had a tremendous plancha on Monday Night Raw. Imagine thinking Roman Reigns is not a good wrestler. I don't even want to imagine. Okay. Uh, does this feel like a pay-per-view match? Anyone got the quick answer? No, uh, we've no? seen it on Raw a billion yeah, times. Yeah, it, it, feels, it feels very Raw-y. Uh, you know, Elias, Ryan, you referenced this, and I'm going to reiterate, maybe take it a step further. I like Elias too. I think most people do. I don't think people see him as a top guy though. And I see him as a solid mid-card champion at some yeah, point. Yeah, because the gimmick. I mean, it's yeah. a gimmick that keeps you over and it's going to keep you over for a long time. But I just don't think people buy him as winning this match. And that's been the whole thing. It's, you know, it's like, okay, they've done an okay job building to it. But it's like, 
three weeks, four weeks for such a obvious conclusion seems kind of boring. And the conclusion is Roman Reigns is going to go over. And it's funny. They got two champions, Seth and Kofi. But who's the one appearing on both shows? Who's the one getting the big video packages? Who's the one that clearly is still positioned as the top star of this company? I just, I, it just seems like they're, they're trying to get somebody over who's over and has the sympathy of the crowd. And I just feel like it's going to turn. Yeah. Because look, what did we all talk about? I think we all agreed on this. Perhaps the most intriguing thing after that superstar shakeup, which apparently was not done well, according to everyone internally, uh, was the dynamic between Kofi Kingston and Roman Reigns. Kofi Kingston was by far the most over guy coming out of WrestleMania. Roman Reigns is quote unquote the chosen one. To me, I smell like a title match. That that would be an intriguing match. But what's the problem with doing that match? Two baby faces. Well, and if you're WWE, what's the problem doing from their perspective? What's the problem doing that? Because match? then it's Kofi's someone getting over- cheered. Yeah, Kofi's going to get cheered, and Roman Reigns is going is not going to get the reaction they want Roman yeah. Reigns to get. So yeah. yeah, yeah, it'll make him look second tier right in front of their eyes. So, all right. Another one that needs to not go on any longer is the Miz and Shane McMahon. Time to wrap Ooh, this thing up. That Miz promo on SmackDown was not good. Where he did Wonderwall. Mm-hmm. Not as good as when Elias did it. <laughs> I'll say that. That might have been Miz's worst promo in years. <laughs> yeah, it's this is also not the best use of the Miz. And uh, it, it's it's time to move on from this. It, it was good for a while with the tag team and the split, but Let's not drag this on any longer. Shane McMahon is not a full-time wrestler. The Miz can be doing so much more. Uh, he just talked about a lack of, of heel champions. I know he's been face, but uh, the Miz, when he's heel, one of the best heels in the company, I'm ready for him to do something more positive. And so he gets the win over Shane McMahon and hopefully moves into something a little bit better here. Justin. I uh, would just like to point out, I think, Oasis Wonderwall is something that English uh, sports teams sing in the locker room after they've won a big match. Uh, and being that they were in England, maybe that was part of it. Oh, yeah. No, absolutely. But I'm saying it bombed. Like, did you okay, okay, like, okay. like the crowd was like, Ugh, like Roman gave like it wasn't that he did it. Like, it's a great song. I'll take it a step further. I love Oasis with all my heart and soul. Yeah. I mean, I know why he did it. Yeah, it was definitely because they were in the U.K., it was because, but like it bombed, like the crowd kind of like groaned and Roman looked at him like, dude, this promo sucks. I just wanted to point it out because it yeah. makes me think about Tottenham beating AX in the uh, uh, Champions League. Um, uh, Miz, this has got to end. Feels like a blow off, obviously, to make it three for three there, but does this? wild card rule kind of make it less important i feel if there was no wild card rule and we kind of made an exception for these two to be working on this show like hey they have to finish this feud must come to a conclusion that you know this was they've come to this arrangement in spite of the superstar shakeup or you know before there was something i feel it'd be more important but with this wild card rule i feel it's cheap in the match a little bit and you know ryan you talked about it's time for the miz to move on to some things i don't know what that is and yeah, he is a great natural heel, but he's over as a babyface, despite that very poor promo on Tuesday. 
Yeah. At some point, though, do you have to say we're loaded with baby faces and someone's got to switch even if they are over? Yeah. I just – I don't think they're going to, though. I think he turned soon enough. I, I don't – you know, it, on Raw, I don't know what you do with them post-Shane McMahon feud. God, I hope they don't continue this feud, though. And yeah. I know we're all in agreement with that. Yeah, definitely. Although I think it's been a good – I mean, it's been a good feud. It just feels like it's the right time to yeah, pull it's, it off. Yeah, definitely. It's a um, cage match. Yeah. Yeah, traditional wrestling sense, this would definitely be the blow-off. So we shall see. I think the first match, it really has some good intrigue here now on what direction they're going to go. And this one's a little tougher to call is the U.S. title match with Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio. And is Dominic, fully grown Dominic now, no longer young Dominic, where his custody was up for grabs at SummerSlam 05. Uh, is he going to get involved in this match? So uh, he's been around in recent weeks. We saw Joe beat Mysterio quickly at WrestleMania. Mysterio got some revenge a few weeks later. Uh, I, th I feel like Joe needs to retain, but the Dominic angle kind of makes me curious. Like, how is he going to get involved? You know, is he going to inadvertently cost his dad the match? Is he going to on purpose cost his dad the match and turn okay. on him? Okay. We know Dominic's been doing some wrestling training himself. So uh, does anyone have any thoughts on swirl, where they're headed? Bro. Yeah, anyone have any thoughts on where this one is headed? Because I've been I've been thinking about this one a little bit. We did our preview over at comicbook.com, and uh, I thought this one was – I think Joe's a solid pick to win, but then I thought it how it happens is pretty intriguing. Kyle, do you have a thought on this? I do. I have many. All right. Imagine that. I'm sure you've written them down, so let's hear yes. it. Okay. This is a very WWE-style book feud. <laughs> Uh, I would not have paired them together going into WrestleMania, but they did. Uh, you know, the whole thing where Ray and Andrade were having bangers on SmackDown was kind of just thrown to the wayside. I'm not sure why. And I certainly don't like it, but it was. So anyway, you have them wrestle WrestleMania. They were running low on time. Ray's knee was a little banged up. Joe beats him in under a minute. Gets a lot of momentum from that win, right? So what do you do? Well, he was off a couple weeks from TV, and then you have Ray to give it a non-title match. Of course, that's what you do. Um, I'm with you on the conundrum of Dominic because the issue is the U.S. title is going to be secondary to the Dominic storyline, which I think is we all would agree is forthcoming. So I don't – I hate to say this. I don't think it matters who's the U.S. champion coming out of this because they're going to do something – do something with Dominic to get heat, and it, the feud will continue. So who do you got winning? I'll pick Ray because I don't have a lot of championships changing hands on this program. All right. Justin Joint. Um, boy, I really thought it had to be Ray until you brought up the maybe bringing Dominic into it somehow. Um, uh, I'll stick with Ray. Ooh, I'm the only one picking Joe to win then. I All feel right. terrible. For, well, Joe, in, in their eyes, Joe will get his heat back with the Dominic thing. You know, it could be a – I didn't – by the way, I didn't really like their match they had on um, Raw a couple weeks ago, the, the non-title match. I didn't think it was very good. I can tell you who can have a good match with Rey Mysterio and, and who, who should be a universal champion. Is it freaking Silver King? <laughs> <laughs> Silver Cesaro. Oh, there we go. Yeah, yeah. Yes, that was very good. I thought you were. I, I, I only said that because, you know, 
you always were watching the match. So I, I already, I already watched, I already oh. watched it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's how quick it is, folks. Man. That's how quick it is. It's good. It's good. Uh, um, God, remember, I, it felt like they were going to do, we're going to talk about Braun Strowman, I know, in a minute. Remember, it felt like they were going to do Joe at Braun the week after Mania. They did a, a pull apart with them. Didn't go anywhere with that. Yeah. I bad. I feel bad for Joe. I've said this program before. They don't view, they need to view him in a stronger light. They just view him as a utility player. And that's kind of sad. It's, it's a poor read on their part, if that's the case. Great promo. He He's not as good as he was. 10 15 years ago in the ring there's no question about that whatsoever but god he's one of the best promos in this you know in a company that doesn't have a lot of great promos he's one of them yeah um i want to do the the money in the bank matches before the title matches because then we'll talk about uh any possible cash-ins the night of the show or anything like that uh let's start with the women's match which just had a change today so uh we've got uh ember moon mandy rose Dana Brooke, uh, we've got Bailey, we've got Natalia, we've got Naomi, we've got Carmella, and we did have Alexa Bliss, who has now been pulled from the match, not medically cleared to wrestle, replaced by Nikki Cross with her makeover. Um, and so I had to change my prediction over on Comic Book because initially I had Alexa Bliss winning once again, just like last year. Uh, although I wasn't last year, I wrote a whole article on it and I was really confident she was going to win this year. I wasn't as confident and I, I, feel, like, host. I feel like this one, <laughs> this one is pretty tough to predict. Um, looking at that roster, I just felt like when, it, when Alexa bliss was in the match, I felt like she would win because she hasn't been around the title scene. She's been wrestling a little bit more and you know, they like her in that title scene and it would be a way to springboard her back into that. She's not in the match now. So I'm going to go for someone on the SmackDown roster who I think they have high hopes for who could do similar things, and that's Mandy Rose. So I'm going to pick Mandy Rose in the women's Money in the Bank match. Justin Joint, who do you got here? I think uh, there's only one baby face that could possibly win, and that's only because it would lead to a heel turn. And other than that, uh, you have to go heel, and I think there's only two that could possibly win. Mandy Rose and kind of a Dana Brooke. I think she actually has a chance. Um, but I'm going to go Bailey. Ooh, all right. Who and that is the baby face who that would then turn heel that you're alluding to. Okay. The the raw group that I was going to say that, that was non Alexa when I had originally done my notes. Whew, we got some buttes in there, don't we? I didn't see any winners there. I mean, Dana, you know, that was funny in that article where Triple H is the most frustrated man in WWE. There was some talk. Dana Brooke, you know, she's working hard. The writers want to do something for her. God bless her. You know, if she's trying hard, I respect effort. I really do. Doesn't mean she should win Bunny in the Bank. Okay. Uh, Natty's, she's a good hand. Okay. Um, Has bad gas at times, too. Um, (laughs) God. Naomi... Cool entrance. Don't see it. Um, you know, some people had an issue with Nick. Now let's go to this Nikki Cross, the fourth Raw participant. I liked what they did on Raw with her and Alexa. So some people had a problem with the food. They're the Nikki Cross I know and love. Oh, go fuck yourself. <laughs> How many beers are you in now, Kyle? Just one. <laughs> Here we go. Now the okay. heat's coming out of his ears. He's I, ready to go. I would love. 
to see a storyline where Alexa thinks she's manipulating Nikki Cross, but really isn't. And that leads to something. I think that would be really good. Give it to me. Come on. But here's the thing. Spoiler alert. I'm picking a raw guy to win the men's money in the bank. So let's turn to the SmackDown side, which is where I think the winner comes from. Bailey winning and turning heel. I think that's interesting. Not going to pick it, though. Ember Moon. Like Ember Moon a lot. Don't think she's winning. Carmella, previous winner. Don't think she's winning. Mandy Rose is my pick. Again, storylines. I'll, I'll take what I can get in 2019. I think the whole idea of her winning Money in the Bank and then gradually getting a bigger head and sort of like distancing herself from Sonya Deville, I think that's a good storyline. They've kind of already, you know, I know they teased the breakup last fall and completely dropped it. Maybe that works out for the best, you know, because mm-hmm. they've they've been together for over a year, which, you know, might as well be 22 years in modern WWE. And remember, before they decided to do the two belts at WrestleMania, there was talk of Asuka versus Mandy Rose yeah. at Mania for the SmackDown title. So and, they and see they, her in that title picture. And, you know, it's the same reason that I'm going to pick the men's winner, too. But, like, I feel Money in the Bank sometimes. It's like, oh, we really want to push this person. But how do we do it? And I feel like they really do want to push Mandy. And I think giving her the briefcase would do it. Remember that? Eva Marie gimmick we gushed over mm-hmm. back when they were going to push her in the you know early days of the brands, but I'm surprised they don't give that to Mandy. She could make that work. She kind of has a similar character with her entrance. I mean, yeah. she doesn't come out and not wrestle. But, yeah, uh, that was such a great gimmick. Was that the best gimmick <laughs> in pro wrestling in the last three years? Our I early think shows, we talked about that a lot <laughs> way back in episodes like <laughs> one through five or something like that. Yeah. God, was that a great gimmick. Bring it back. <laughs> yes. So let's talk about the men's match now since we were talking about that. Um, I also have someone from Raw winning this one. Uh, as I look up and down, there's basically two people that I've been going back and forth between on who I think is going to win. Um, and so right now, I've been going back with Drew McIntyre and Sami Zayn. And I feel like with Drew McIntyre... He's been kind of languishing. This is a chance where they could, you know, push him up the card again where they wanted him to be a few months back. But then Sami Zayn, man, this guy has been awesome the last few weeks. And so I'm leaning towards Sami Zayn right now for my men's money in the bank winner, Justin Joint. Oh, um, I mean, it's got to be a heel. Once again, going back to my previous statement, um, you know, it sure would be exciting to see Ricochet get it, but he's too busy eating losses from Robert Roode and Baron Corbin. Uh, I don't think Finn Balor has a chance. I mean, he's Intercontinental Champion. There's not really a whole lot of places to go with that. Ali would be a, a shocker, but again, unearned. Uh, Randy Orton, boring choice, and he's already done it. Uh, Baron Corbin, if they think like, He's got the heat. Uh, I'm going to go Drew McIntyre, although I think it'd be really cool if they went with Andrade. All right, Kyle, let's hear it. I'm with Justin in the sense that Ricochet and or Andrade would be really cool, but don't see it. Yeah. Drew McIntyre would be the most WWE-ish choice because, again, like you said, Ryan, like, I had mentioned with Mandy Rose in the last match. 
They need something for him. They want him at the top of the card, but they need something. We talked about it coming out of the Reigns match at WrestleMania. He is something missing here for the package. In their mind, give him a briefcase, and there you go. Um, but this last-minute switch to Sami Zayn also got me thinking. You you make that switch for one of two reasons. One, he's going to win. Or two, he's going to take a big bump from Braun Strowman. And we need to talk about this. The way they've booked Braun Strowman, I don't care if he's forgetting spots in WrestleMania Battle Royals. The way they have booked Braun Strowman over the last seven months has been 184% grade A cow dung. <laughs> <laughs> it's been horrible. Like, do you just, do you not want the guy to be over? Like, they do, they how many times do they do this where he's like in a match and then he loses his spot? Like, I get they're like, oh, well, we don't want him to lose. Well, it's fucking money in the bank. You could protect him. You could have him chuck dudes around. You don't have to, it's not like he gets pinned. So I found that a little interesting that he was taken out. I, I don't think he necessarily lost anything in that scenario because there was so much interference. But, hmm, second time Braun's been taken out of a heavily hyped spot this year already. It's curious to me. Curious. I'm going to pick Drew McIntyre to win. <laughs> the WWE safe choice. All right. Yeah, because I don't know what you do with Drew McIntyre if he doesn't get the briefcase. Um, yeah. Ricochet and Ali, to me, they're your bump guys for sure. They're Like, in WWE's mind, they're going to get over because they're each going to do a big spot, and that's going to be their highlight mm-hmm. of the match. Yeah. Yeah, like I said, that those are the two I've been going back and forth between Sammy and Drew. Yeah. We talked about formulaic booking on this program last week. Is there anything more emblematic of the formulaic booking of WWE than the way they build these money in the bank matches. I think the builds, we talked about this last year, Ryan. I know you and I were in agreement on this, that it's the briefcase is over. The gimmick is over. I'm not a huge fan of money in the bank though, because the way they build to it every year, it just feels like it's six or eight guys who are lucky to be in this match. And one's going to be really lucky to win. Mm-hmm. And how do we build to the match? Not by getting all of them over, but just having them all wrestle a bunch of times and trading wins leading up to it. Not how I'd do it. Yeah. Um, so it's possible like last year we had a cash in and a title match later on on the women's side. I want to ask you guys before we get to the to the four title matches here to round this thing off. If you had to pick one of the world titles of the two women's, which Becky holds both, or the WWE or the Universal title, maybe you're going to pick all of them are going to stay with the, with the people that hold them right now. We don't know yet. We'll get to that in a second. But if you had to pick one of them that was the most likely to switch hands going in, which one would you say it is? I'll start with Justin. Women's. Which one, Raw or SmackDown? SmackDown. Okay. So I think Becky's got to be on Raw. Not that it fucking matters because wild card <laughs> fucking whatever. All right. Kyle? Kofi. I also, I also think Kofi. Because it was sort of a knee-jerk thing anyway. Mm-hmm. I, I First of all, that doesn't mean that I agree with such a move. Yeah. And this wild card thing, by the way, totally opens the door up for a guy to cash on the other brand's champion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's let's true. Not, let's not discount that at all. Yeah. So, like, if Drew McIntyre 
were to win Money in the Bank, don't think for a second that there's not a chance he cashes it on Kofi Kingston. Yeah. We didn't see this coming. The wild card <laughs> rule. All right. Just wanted to get your take there. So um, let's talk about Becky's matches first. Uh, she's going to be wrestling Lacey Evans for the Raw title, defending that one, and then the SmackDown title against Charlotte. Uh, I don't think Lacey Evans, although I like her a lot, love the character, love her as a wrestler. I think the ceiling's very high for her. Uh, I don't I don't see her winning the Raw title here. Now, it, you could play up the angle that it weakens Becky a little bit, and then she loses to Charlotte, and I think that's what Justin was getting at, and then she doesn't have two belts anymore, but I think they're going to play up this Becky two belts thing a little bit longer. So uh, if we talk about both of them here, I, I guess we could because they kind of go together. I'm going to have uh, Becky retaining both titles. Uh, there could be some controversy mixed in. I don't know that they're going to be two clean victories, but I do think she's going to walk out with uh, with both belts still. I mean, hell, they got the Becky two belts shirts. They got to keep this thing going a little bit longer. Uh, Justin, your thoughts? Yeah, that's not, I'm I'm curious how well that shirt is selling because I think that determines on if uh, <laughs> she walks out of this event with both both belts still. Um, boy, this is the most intriguing thing they might have going on here is is, is Becky. Um, I just think she's got to end up on Raw, which means she's got to keep that title. Uh, I think you can have her maybe beat Lacey and then Lacey costs her the SmackDown title to just get that feud on raw, but wild card and life is a flat circle. Um, yeah, you know, I'll, I'll go with Becky getting out of this with both belts still. All right, Kyle. Yeah. I don't really like any scenario that you could do here. <laughs> I don't like the fact that they're having been, I just I just don't like the scenario that they put forth here at all. Um, I get why they do it because hey, she's a champion of both brands. She's got to do it, and they are telling a story. I guess that maybe she this whole situation came about due to Becky's overconfidence. But you know how you would book a babyface properly, guys. Have her win both freaking matches. <laughs> so. Um, I liked the contract signing, by the way, a lot. I thought all three women were tremendous on Raw in that segment. And, Justin, you brought up retconning in video packages earlier. Did you notice the Becky Charlotte video package on SmackDown, how they made it seem that Becky's heel turn at SummerSlam was a babyface turn? Because they totally did. I, I was like, that's pretty rich. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you should beat Lacey is the problem, though. Yeah. That I keep going to. So I would have some sort of non-finish in that match leading to maybe Becky, like maybe she like takes out Becky's knee and Becky works the Charlotte match injured, but Becky overcomes the odds. How about this? A baby face overcoming the odds and winning. Cause I, I Charlotte Flair is a SmackDown women's champion. God bless her. I don't know if that's that appealing to me right now. And the other issue is if Becky loses the title, She's not going to be able to get revenge on that person if she only loses one title, one, because she's going to be on the other brand. So this scenario has its issues. Yeah. Hope that Becky retains them both. Okay. So we're we're all saying probably no women's cash-ins the night of the show like last year then? No. Okay. 
Now, right. I think because they did a cash-in night of, I don't think we're going to get one this year. Could be okay. wrong. Okay. Let's go right to the WWE title match then. Uh, and we're getting close to the end of this thing. Kofi defending against Kevin Owens. So we saw Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn kind of rekindle their friendship on SmackDown with the double team on, on Kofi. And then Xavier Woods came out and he got involved. Yeah, for me, this is the most likely title change because of that story. And also, you know, if Sami Zayn won the briefcase and his friend weakens Kofi Kingston here, I mean, I could see Sami Zayn cashing in here right after this match. Okay. Uh, So I'm not, you know, I'm I'm less than 50% on that happening, but I could totally see that happening where... Sami Zayn beats Kofi Kingston, cashes in, wins the WWE title. And he's been hot lately, too. So, um, And they could play up that, that friendship story with him and Kevin Owens again. So uh, this, this is the most likely big world title switch to me. I think I'm still leaning towards picking Kofi, but I could see it. I could definitely see it. I'm not confident enough in that to pick it to happen. But it's on the table. I'll go with Kofi retaining, though. Yeah, you, your uh, your storyline is far too interesting for WWE <laughs> to actually do. I'll go with Kofi. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with Kofi too. But you're hitting at something, Ryan. This feud needs to continue, probably, especially they just they just sort of drop the KO face turn and you turn him heel. You can't just beat him. Yeah. Then what the hell do you do with him? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that should continue for sure. And then uh, the main event, chance to be match of the night. Although, Is it the main event? Uh, well, they might have the women's match main event. That's possible. Mm-hmm. Who knows? I don't know. They're but, all uh, main events at WWE. I, I don't know. I think this one will main event uh, this show. Rollins and AJ. So, you know, we finally got the belt off of Brock Lesnar. Rollins is riding high here. I don't see a title change happening. Oh, he's here. riding high, isn't he, buddy? <laughs> well, he's got the universal title. That's and what I was it... referring to. <laughs> you talking about his new uh his new romance? Yeah. Yeah. Him and Becky. Nice so, to see people in love. It just brings a tear to my eye. Yeah, I think Seth Rollins is walking out with his title belt too. So uh him and Becky can cheers their championship belts later on that evening. Would that be a bad storyline if they acknowledged? I mean, they acknowledged it online, but if they acknowledged it on the TV, is that bad? I don't know. I don't. Why I don't think so because everyone knows that these days and age, like everyone sees the internet. I, except for the little kids in the crowd, don't you think everyone through word of mouth kind of hears? Probably, yeah. I mean, so I don't. I don't think it really makes that big of a deal. There isn't a very large mouth. casual audience. Yeah, that's true. Uh, Justin? Oh, man. Just for both Kofi and Seth, it feels too soon to take the titles off of them, but you need to you need to shake something up. You need to get a baby face chasing something on one of these shows. Um, the club are on Raw. Once again, not that it fucking matters. Maybe you do a AJ Styles heel turn and you get Seth chasing. Um, fuck it, AJ Styles. Wow. Hey, they are trying to get the club to re-sign and they haven't. Right, their contracts come up in the fall, so it could give them something of importance to do there. I think AJ Styles is gonna uh, probably hit him in the dick and win. 
<laughs> All right, Kyle, let's hear it. I'm pretty comfortable picking Seth Rollins here. Um, I do think AJ may eventually turn heel. They've kind of hinted at it, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen in the past in WWE a feud involving AJ Styles. As a matter of fact, last year, Shinsuke Nakamura, they're not afraid to have the guy lose, turn heel, and then chase. So it could be a case of shoe on a different foot here um, because, you know, WWE, I think one of many people's biggest issues is all these guys just exist, right? Yeah. Look, I love AJ Styles as much as anybody. What does AJ Styles do when he doesn't, presumably doesn't win the universal title after this feud is done when he's not the champion? Is he, I mean, there's some compelling matches, maybe Drew McIntyre. Ricochet, those would be fun. What do you do with them? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's had a long babyface run here, so that he, they could use some freshening mm-hmm. up with I that think, character. What, There's all sorts of SmackDown matches they can have with him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Was it? It's been two years. They did a very soft babyface turn coming out of the WrestleMania in Orlando. Because remember, he was a heel going into the uh, Shane McMahon match. So yeah, it's been like two years. He's been a babyface. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so Seth Rollins, Seth Rollins, and uh, AJ out of Justin. Those are your WWE Money in the Bank picks. It's this Sunday. Uh, By the time we produce our next podcast, which will be episode 99 next Thursday night, uh, this will be long in the rearview mirror. We'll have hours of WWE television following that show on Monday and Tuesday, but uh, we'll we'll still talk about it next week. Uh, I did want to get a plug out for a podcast that I have been listening to for several months now. And I finally contacted one of the hosts, tell them how much I like the show. And uh, I'm giving them a shout out here on top rope nation this week. So uh, if you guys have ever watched any of our video casts, like our pay-per-view post shows, or if you've ever watched any of the Patreon shows, you'll know that often I set up my WWE wrestling figures behind me here on my table and uh, i like to rotate it sometimes i'll bring the old hasbros i don't have any out tonight but i'll bring out the old hasbros the new wwe retros the new mattel elites whatever i have i'm not like a massive i don't have like a huge wrestling figure collection but i like buying the old school figures especially like the hasbros you guys all had the hasbros growing up right i know justin did because he used to have them on the podcast behind you oh yeah totes my goats oh yeah kyle i don't know what happened to it i'm very upset by that but you had them. Yes, so, I had quite a bit. I mean, those Hasbros, to me, are the greatest WWE action figures of all time. And I, I recently, I've been buying them used and kind of like building up my collection again. So there's this this podcast called Fully Posable. It's a WWE action figure podcast. It's actually like the longest running um, WWE figure podcast and wrestling figure podcast in existence, long before Zack Ryder did his show with Kurt Hawkins, which is also very good. But uh, if you like wrestling figures, check out Fully Posable. These guys are two brothers. They put on a great show, Scott and Jeff. I'd highly recommend checking them out. Uh, they're very, very popular. They got a huge following on uh, Twitter. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that uh, show on Netflix, The Toys That Made Us. Mm-hmm. But uh, season three is dropping pretty soon, and one of the episodes is on wrestling figures. And the guys from Fully Posable are on it. They got interviewed for it, so that's pretty cool. That's off tool. Yeah, so uh, check them out. Fully Posable podcast. It's it's a lot of fun. I enjoy listening to that every week. Their episodes drop on Sundays. So that is our shout out of the week to another podcast here in the wrestling universe. All right. So uh, any closing comments, guys, before we wrap this thing up? 
I just want the Golden State Warriors to go away. <laughs> I, I would agree with that. I would yeah. agree. Yeah. I you know what's funny though, like that someone else is saying that the last several years, the way the things I've said about that team are very bad. Although I gotta say, the guys from Fully Posable, they live in the Bay Area, so maybe I should take back that comment. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've always, I've always, I've always rooted for the Golden State Warriors. Personally, yes. <laughs> no, I, I'll be honest. I've said terrible. Man, they've them. they've won so much, but yeah, it's a. Uh, I should also be careful because usually every month, our most of our downloads, our number one state is California. So shout out to the state of California, by the way. Yeah, I would love, definitely love the not, Clippers. <laughs> definitely will not tell the story about my bachelor party. What I said to Golden State Warriors fans then. I've heard that one. That is a pretty yeah. funny story. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, that's all for us this week on that note. Uh, yeah. Check check out the full archive again. Leave us a rating and a review. We'll read it on next week's show. Also, a shout out to the producers of the show. They are $5 patrons. Derek Trappell, Tim Jensen, Kyle Ryan. Thanks a lot for the support. Thanks for being producers of Top Rope Nation. Hi, Derek. <laughs> Got to get Derek back on the show soon here. Always a good time. Uh, we will check you guys out next week, episode 99 of Top Rope Nation. Have a good weekend and take care. Peace.